Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the 3 of 7 podcast. Before we dig into today's awesome episode, I want to tell you guys about a couple companies that support this podcast. We'll start with a company called Rugged Meats. So I've been using Rugged Meats for about the last two months to power me and fuel me on my missions. Rugged Meats is a healthy snack company that is committed to providing you and your family with only the absolute highest quality products. So they make some awesome snack sticks. Uh, They've got multiple products. Uh, If you're an omnivore like me, uh, you might be interested. All of their snack stick products are made with 100% grass-fed beef and pasture-raised pork from small American family farms. Uh, The taste and the flavor is outstanding. I particularly like the uh, pineapple pork. It's just got a really good, almost like a, not super sweet, but just right uh, when you've been out on the trail for hours and you need something that's really going to stick to your ribs. So uh, check them out. They just make awesome products. Like I say, I have used them extensively. I think I've tried everything in their product line. And again, just super high quality ingredients. Another thing, Rugged Meats was started by a firefighter and a nurse. They've got a great backstory. Just great Americans that have decided to create this product based around their passion. So if you're interested in trying some Rugged Meats products, please check them out at ruggedmeats.com. They have provided us as 3 of 7 podcast listeners with a pro code that will give you 10% off of your purchase along with free shipping. That pro code is... Three of seven. That's the number three of seven. So if you hike, if you run, if you work, especially a crazy job like fireman, police officer, a nurse, and you're on your feet and you need a quick snack just to uh, get your energy up and get you through the day, these products are going to be perfect for you. Let me know what you think about Rugged Meats, their website, and their social media handle will be attached in the show notes of this episode. The next company I want to talk to you guys about is Exoskin. So Exoskin is a huge supporter of 3 of 7 podcasts. They have been since the beginning. And um, all their products are outstanding. I mean, I have not, I have pretty much... <clears throat> one of everything in their product line and it all functions exactly as advertised and meets and exceeds my expectations for functionality and durability. But I want to highlight one specific product uh, within their line and that's the Exoskin Toe Socks. These socks were a game changer for me. The first few races that I did Uh, specifically the first 100-miler that I did, I wasn't so keen on how important the right sock was. And I came out the other end of that race, and my feet 
looked absolutely horrific and uh, actually took, you know, a few weeks to for them to get back to normal. And so since I have started wearing Exoskin socks, it's just not a problem anymore. I don't have near the issue with blisters or um, hot spots that I used to have, you know, when wearing other brands of socks. Um, these things function when your feet are wet, when your feet are dry, uh, in dusty conditions. I mean, I've ran these, these socks through the mill uh, for thousands of miles. Super durable. They last probably, I don't know, they've done the science, but I'm going to say 10 times longer than your average sock would last. So uh, it's the only thing that I'll put on my feet. Check them out. Um, not only the socks, check out the whole product line on their website at exoskin.us. And I will also link their website and Instagram handle in the show notes of this episode. Uh, Exoskin has provided us with a pro code. Again, that is three of seven. That's the number three of seven. And that will give you 25% off of your purchase until the end of April. Don't think you'll be disappointed with Exoskin. I don't promote any products on this podcast that I don't personally use on a regular basis and that I'm not familiar with and that I'm not a believer in. I can promise you that. So thanks for your time. Let's get into today's episode. Hope you enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome back to the 307 Podcast. We got a really special episode for you guys today. Um, it's titled A Long Day in the Cahuttas. And so what the Cahuttas, what does that mean? So I'm sure Nathan, Nathan will introduce himself in a minute, but the Cahutta Wilderness Area is a place here in North Georgia, and it is a wilderness area, so that's the highest classification of preservation that they can possibly give a, a piece of federally owned land. So it's a really, really just completely wild place. And last weekend, me and four of my dear friends went and spent a long day in the Cahuttas. And I think this was the third annual. Um, it was organized by Mr. Nathan. And, um, yeah, it was an awesome day. So this is just an after-actions report about the lessons that we learned, the things we learned about each other, um, the time we spent in the wilderness. And uh, I think we all came out the other side uh, way closer than uh, we expected to be. So, yeah, I've got everybody here. It was amazing because usually to get a group of five dudes together is like herding cats. But, um yeah, it was like one text message, and everybody from the team was like, Roger that, man. We'll be there. So thank you guys for coming. I want you all to introduce yourself real quick. Um, start with you, Luke. I'm, I'm Luke Baker. I'm from here in uh, Rome, Georgia. That's where I live. So it was uh, good, good to get together with these guys and take part in this experience. What do you do for a living, Luke? Uh, I'm an electrical contractor here in Rome. Yeah. Awesome, brother. So, 
And this was, uh, you said, a big-time PR on this. It was, right? yeah. I'd, probably 10 or 12 miles was the most I had traveled in a day on foot. So, uh, yeah, this was this was a long, long day for me for sure. But it's all a cross, CrossFit's your thing, right? So you're coming from a good, strong base of CrossFit, right? I, I do enjoy CrossFit, yeah. And uh, I was a former wrestler when I was younger, and so, you know, I, I, I like a little challenge mental challenge as well as much as a physical challenge so totally brother nathan what's up man hey uh i'm nathan I've, we've been in rome my wife and i for i guess about 17 years originally from the panhandle of florida and <clears throat> moved around a little bit and have settled here and enjoy it and uh i'm work for an organization in town called higher ground that uh uses adventure to develop people and, uh, and kind of does that in a number of different ways and been doing that for about 13 years with higher ground yeah so nathan was like i said before he was the organizer and leader of this um of this trip and one thing i'll say about nathan is he's a squared away dude um you know there's very few men that i will go blindly into the wilderness with but uh when nathan invited me on this trip like, I didn't need to look at the maps. I didn't need to know where we were going, what we were doing. Um, he is squared away enough, dude, that I said, I will go and follow this man through this wilderness. So that's uh, that's my two cents on Nathan. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, and you guys will get to hear more from Nathan later on. So, Kincaid, you're not allowed to introduce yourself, uh, Jeff. <laughs> Well, I was going to say suit of my right, but they can't see anything. That's right. Uh, it's Kincaid Whirl. Uh, he'd grown up in uh, close enough to Rome, but really in Daresville, Georgia, with a fine family uh, to raise two great sons, uh, Brother Campbell. Um, Kincaid, because he won't say it. He's a legend. He is a legend. <laughs> my uh, my daughter calls him Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> Which hey, right there, right there, it's it's a it's a compliment. No, uh, Kincaid, I think um, undersells himself as far as um, uh, his accomplishments personally. Um, with uh, you're in law school right now, right? In law school right now, but before that, man, he is a uh, really successful kayaker. Um, been everywhere, right? Chile, all those kind of places. Uh, got a sends off sends videos uh, routinely. I get to, I get the pleasure of working with his dad, and uh, has routinely seen uh, him going over falls. How high is Desoto Falls? It's nine. It's at least ninety feet. It's at least it's it's high. It's it yeah. It's something that most mere mortals would not try. But uh, he he does it like nobody's business, and uh, and then just scoots off to class. Right, and he's a physical specimen. Uh, he, working out with him, uh, at CrossFit, you know, we'll show up for a running wad and I'm, I've got knee braces on and, and running shoes on and here comes Kincaid and in old holy vans and just smokes us. So he's, he's a physical, <laughs> but on top of his physical, he's just a cool dude, right? Yep. yep. And, uh, just low key, but intense. And, uh, I get that from his dad. He, his dad says he's an intense guy. In fact, yesterday his dad said, Okay, look, Kincaid's at the home at how at the house, and he 
needs about 16 hours a day worth of physicalness. You have to find, I said, well, he's got, I said, uh, he knows Chad Wright, so maybe, right. <laughs> maybe those guys can hook up. Do something. So I don't know, that, I don't know what kind of introduction that was for no, Kincaid, that, but I think we all think a lot of him. Yeah. And uh, so, there so you go. Yeah, so the reason Kincaid wasn't allowed to introduce himself because he would have literally just said, hey, I'm Kincaid. And that's all you would have ever heard from him. So, Kincaid, now you get to tell the story of how your eye and your face is kind of busted up, man. Well, first of all, that was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> um, I guess my eye got – I really appreciate that. That means a lot coming from you guys. That's really sweet. Um, it means a lot. I think a, a lot of all you guys and look up to all you guys and certainly have learned a lot as well just over the years interacting with each and every one of you. Luke's my neighbor, just for uh, the world to know. But, um, I guess my eye, well, it was on DeSoto Falls a couple weeks ago. I was uh, kind of in a group chat with some of my buddies, and we were hoping to go run it one morning. And DeSoto is it's uh, kind of in the north uh, eastern part of Alabama, headwaters to Little River Canyon. It's a pretty unique uh, waterfall and one that all my friends and I really enjoy and uh, I get excited about when it's running. So I, we woke up one morning and got there a little bit before dark. Um, it was probably like 5.30 or 6.30 in the morning and hiked in to look at it and see if it was running. And sure enough, it was running. So um, we decided to give her a go and I went first. Nobody, Nobody else was really fired up on it quite yet and we were just kind of waiting to see what happens and uh i ran it first and had a pretty good line but i think my bow must have just floated up a tiny bit as i was coming off and had a pretty big hit at the bottom and ended up kind of hitting the side of my head on my kayak which uh left me needing to get a couple stitches so i went over to where jeff works and met my dad there and told him that i probably should get some stitches and he agreed and i got about seven stitches and made it back for my class in the afternoon so I, when I got to school I had some questions I think everybody had thought I got in a fight I had <laughs> five stitches up above my eye and then three kind of in that corner right there and a pretty big uh shiner underneath it so you got in a fight with a 90 foot waterfall yeah. on a kayak. yeah just checked it's 104 feet oh yeah. Roger <laughs> I'm glad you yeah. I'm glad you googled that dude but yeah that was, that's the story and you know really thankful for my safety crew there they were, uh, you know, I felt pretty safe with them and knew I could take a risk like that going off that waterfall because the people I was there with, so I really appreciated them. And I, I don't think I sold it enough. No one else ran it that day, but <laughs> <laughs> it'll be it'll be there. Roger that. Thanks, Kincaid. That's an awesome story, brother. And, yeah, Kin, Kin, uh, Kincaid's got plenty of those stories. And now we want uh, Mr. Jeff Mahoney. Tell us a little bit about yourself, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Mahoney. I've been in Rome about 13, 14 years. Um, uh, grew up in Dalton, Georgia. I work at a local hospital here uh, as an anesthetist. And um, let's see, I have had the pleasure of being on every one of these. I was in the inaugural Cahutta Mountain Marathon mm -hmm. when it was just three of us. That's right. Right? Yep. And... Um, but it was a different. It was a different route that year. Yeah, I remember a, sitting in Brayfield. Yeah, right. Yeah, we were on the Conasauga side. That's right. But it was still fun. And then, um, yeah. What do um, you do for a living, Jeff? Did you already say I put that? people to sleep. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'm an anesthetist, so 
Oh. I wake them back up too. I mean, okay, they don't keep me around long if I don't okay. wake you up. So. See, I get confused. <laughs> I I know what an anesthesiologist is, but I didn't. Well, yeah, the, I'm I'm a um, a PA that only does anesthesia. Gotcha. Now there gotcha. is a thing called a CRNA, which is a registered nurse nurse anesthetist. Um, job descriptions are and what we do day to day are completely the same. Gotcha. And where we are, so. But I, get, but I get to work with, with Kincaid's dad every day. Which yep. is, awesome, brother. Yeah, I work for a good group. Awesome. Uh, thank you, guys. So, yeah, a little bit for the listeners. You get to kind of know who you're, who you're talking to or, or um, who you're listening to, I guess, today. And uh, it's just always amazing to me that uh, you can bring men and women together from all these different backgrounds um, you know, we've got Luke, he's a business owner, uh, professional electrician. We've got Nathan, he's an outdoor guide. We've got Kincaid that's in law school. We've got Jeff, that's a anesthesiologist. I can't say that other word, so I'm just going <laughs> to call you an uh, anesthesiologist. <laughs> and then um, you got me, that's me, a, a former Navy SEAL that just moved back to this community. And these men here have chosen to embrace me and uh and and speak life into my life and show me um what this area has to offer but you can bring all these people together from all these different backgrounds and we go to the wilderness and we inflict a little adversity upon ourselves and uh, all of a sudden we come out the end of a 14 15 hour day and we all feel like brothers and uh, we've all got stories to tell and you know it was a day that I think that I knew for a fact I'll remember for the rest of my life. Um, so, yeah, that's the way this works. Um, let's dig in to the long day in the Cahutas, and I want to turn it over to you, Nathan. Uh, you put a lot into this, man. <clears throat> you know, um, I want to turn it over to you and, and see where you want to where you want to kick it off, or what do you want to talk about yeah, first, can, man? We can at least talk about the kind of the, the reasons why or my why yeah. for doing it. Uh, so this is the third and it ends up being almost annual or not quite annual, depending on how you want to look at it. And it, it really came down to probably the first trip, you know, I was walking downtown one day or walking to the gym and it was like 45 degrees and raining. And it had been a little while since I'd been out. And I just remember saying to Jeff Mahoney, like, and this would be a perfect day to be in the woods Cause it's just, you know, the weather's just ugly enough to kind of make you feel like you're doing something and to kind of chase the crowds away and to give you reason to do a long day where you keep moving so that you can thermoregulate and stay warm. So that kind of got the idea churning, you know, and, uh, and it probably the first trip probably wasn't, uh, you know, a month or two after that, that idea. And it really comes down to a combination of wanting, um, physical challenge to some extent, which, you know, obviously bleeds into mental challenge. And I think from that, I was thinking about it uh, the other day. It's not so much the physical challenge as an end to itself, but what comes from it and where that takes you mentally and emotionally and working through things and kind of bringing things to the surface. Uh, so uh, that physical piece or that challenge piece and then time in the woods uh, is as best you can away from crowds and other people and then doing that with a group of people that mean something to you and that you either are already close to and, and crave time with or people that you really think a lot of and want to spend time with them. And so I, I tend to be a little bit 
selfish with this with the trip just because I'm so often taking other people out and I don't have control over who's coming that this is uh you know initiated kind of a therapy for me and and kind of remains that way so you know uh this trip there were a handful of people that had conflicts Jeff Holloway who and has been on the podcast has been on the other two and so he's one that would have come just schedule wouldn't allow it and there were several others so I almost feel like, uh, you know, in the New Testament when they would cast lots and that, but they would count that as, as providence in terms of who was doing something. I almost feel like scheduling serves that way for, uh, for this trip. You know, there's, there are some people that would be great fun to have on and schedule just doesn't allow it, which keeps the group small and I think changes the, the dynamic or, or makes the dynamic what it is intended to be. So, you know, the first trip, um, I think we were just shy of, we were probably 23 miles. And the idea was like, hey, let's, it'd be kind of fun if we had a marathon distance. Uh, even though we're not really running, we're just hiking. And, uh, and so the next one, we wanted to change the route just for the sake of doing something different. And in the adjacent wilderness area called Big Frog, the, the namesake of that wilderness area is Big Frog Peak, which is, I want to say 4,400 feet, something which is, kind of tallish for this part of the country, certainly for North Georgia. So I, I started looking and found a route where we could, without running a shuttle, we could grab that peak, uh, which is the trail up is you get some a ridge feel and kind of hike the ridge line. So it's a cool feel to it and then drop down. And uh, the Cahutta is often known kind of for the two watersheds that run through it. So you get a lot of Creek crossings and the beauty that comes with that. So the idea of linking up both a, a you know, kind of a high, higher mountain feel um, with the creek stuff seemed ideal. And so it ends up being, uh, I think technically it's probably just shy of 30 miles, but given the some of the difficulty of the terrain, I feel comfortable just calling it 30. <laughs> <laughs> I feel comfortable calling it like 35 <laughs> uh, since we ha literally had to crawl over, no kidding, over I'd say over 500 blow down pine trees. It was unreal. It was unreal. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, yeah. No, so that, uh, you know, it's one of those things you look, okay, 30 miles and you think, well, you know, we, we can move even hiking. Like we can move three to four miles an hour pretty quick. And then you go do it and you find like, oh, well, this section of trail, which I was counting on being clear, I can't go 10 feet without crawling over a bunch of trees. And then the river crossings take time. So it, it is, um, I told a friend about it that's familiar with the Cahutta the first time we did it. And he said, that's a, you know, that's a lot of miles. The Cahutta doesn't give up mileage very easily. And I would say that we probably all found that to be true Saturday. So it's, you know, you never know what the, what each section is going to be like. And, uh, there were certainly a couple of sections this go around that I expected to be one way and you, you get to them and you're just like, well, I guess that's not how it's going to be today. <laughs> Take what you got. <laughs> That's the truth. And, and I think it's worthy to say, you know, these trails that we were on, these were literally just a trace of a trail. And they cannot, they're not allowed, because it's a wilderness area, they're not allowed to maintain these trails with mechanical tools. So right. any trail maintenance that's done has to be done with an axe. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I think that's a bit, that's a big reason that the trails aren't maintained. But, but it's, to, to, to guys like us, I think that's a rewarding thing to be able to go out in a truly wild place. Um, you know, it's not like a national park where you just got these groomed trails and it's hard packed. And, you know, after dark, man, we were, we were having to work as a team 
to just find keep up with the trail just keep up with where yeah. the trail went um so yeah no that was awesome and you know I so nathan kicked us off first thing in the morning um first of all drive in we saw a big black hog mm-hmm. uh that uh, wild boar that was pretty cool and they uh, were coming up this gravel road and luke decided to drive his four-door flatbed one-ton truck and um he got he made it up through there i don't know how he did man he got up there and uh, nathan kicked us off with a a really good prayer and a scripture and uh, i don't know if you have that nathan or or if you want to look yeah it i can pull it up or, or it, yeah. it's out of out of uh, deuteronomy 8 i can at least share the gist of it and it's essentially yeah. you know talking about uh israel saying uh, that the lord took them into the wilderness to humble them and uh not just to humble them for for the sake of that but to provide for them uh, through means that they didn't even know about. And then it, it names manna. So humbling and then providing for them uh, so that they might know that man does not live by bread alone, but by the word that every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And uh, so I find, you know, trips into the wilderness to be an active resignation or submission to what the Lord has for you that day. You know, you can technology lets us shield ourselves from the weather a little bit, but you're, you're kind of openly just saying, um, you know, I, I will take what you have and, uh, and, and trust that I will a be humbled either through challenge or, or, you know, seeing the grandeur of, um, of Christ revealed through creation and, um, and knowing that I'll be provided for in my, in my need as well and see the Lord that way. So someone, uh, someone probably pointed me to that passage of scripture a number of years ago, and it, it just seems appropriate to start, uh, every trip into the woods with that. So that's where that's where it came from yeah that was powerful man definitely and so i want to talk through that climb up um frog mountain and that is that what it's called big frog, big frog. Wow. i want to talk through that climb up big frog um it's that's a serious climb man um what you guys got lessons learned i mean that was right off the bat that was like gut check right there like all right roger that What'd you learn on Big Frog? Everyone's Luke? looking at Luke. Yeah, What'd you learn Luke. on? Yeah, we, uh, I mean, I think we, I think that yeah. that was, I mean, you know, that was a hard climb for everyone. But you know, for me personally, I mean, this, I, I have the luxury that all I do is run and hike in the woods. So you know, it was a it was a hard climb to me. Like my legs were burning, and all I do is go run around the mountains all day every day. So I know if my legs were burning, Luke's a CrossFit guy. You know, he. Yeah, I, I knew. I was thinking about Luke. I was like, if my legs are burning, Luke's legs got to be burning, man. So, what'd you think about that, brother? What was going through your mind on the on the way up right there? How'd you feel about it? Yeah, it was pretty tough for me straight out the gate. Um, honestly, I was questioning why I was there in that moment and wondering what the rest of the day was going to be like. Um, you know, in the first two hours, uh, as honestly, really tough for me to hydrate uh, going uphill there, just because I was winded, and we weren't stopping, so we we just kept moving, you know, and uh, I ended up dropping back with Mahoney, and I I think he could feel what I was feeling, and uh, he was I've seen I've seen it before, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh. You know, he, he just gave me some encouraging words there, you know, and, uh, you know, we we made it, you know, and w- once we got to the top, 
you know, it's it's a long downhill stretch, rehydrate, you know, get some nutrition back in you and, you know, kind of get, start getting ready for the next climb. So, uh, that was, that was, a it was a tough moment for me in the beginning there. I was, I was questioning why I was there early on because I seemed to be struggling a little more than the rest of you guys, you know, in those first couple of hours. So. Well, and Luke, you were really, man, you were, you were really hammering. I'd say, I'd say 75% of the way up that climb, man. And it was maybe just the last 25%. Cause I remember you, I was hiking behind you and you were right behind Nathan, I think. And you were, you were step for step, man, mm-hmm. the whole way. And then I remember you stopped and then I, I went around you and then that was kind of where you dropped back a little bit. But when you, when you reached that point, man, to where it got really hard, but you still had another thousand feet to climb. Like, what was going through your head? What tactic did you use? What was it? That brotherhood? What I mean, what I don't want to suggest anything. What did you use to get that, you know, that last thousand feet or whatever it was up to the summit? Yeah, I mean, I I think that's that was for sure what it was. I mean, I wasn't going to quit on you guys at that point, um, and you know, I. I went to check on Mahoney, but really I was hoping Mahoney would check on me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if, if, I, if I'm being honest, you know. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that's kind of what was going on with me at that point. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and for context, it's, uh, <clears throat> it is about 3,000 feet of elevation gain from where we parked to the top of the to, of Big Frog in just a handful of miles. And pretty steep. I mean, the road walk wasn't that steep, so I think you gain. You know, most of the grade is uh is once you hit the trail. Yeah, it's it doesn't stop for sure. Yeah, for sure, man, no doubt. I think one thing that was really helpful early on, one of the things Nathan shared with me was to kind of be mindful of where I was placing my feet, you know, and what I was placing them on, and make sure that the surface was solid and um. Seemed like such just a small little thing, but over the course of 30 miles makes a huge difference, you know, and as I contemplated that over the course of 13, 14 hours, you know, however long we were out there, it became more of a, a life lesson to me, I guess. Like if we were always so conscious of where we were going and where we were putting our feet and the path that we were on, you know, and the obstacles that were ahead and what we were going to overcome and we were always so mindful of that in our lives, um, how much less we would stumble, you know, mm. and how we would be prepared to help someone else maybe who was stumbling or who was struggling. And so that was a good word early on from Nathan that just kind of hung with me all day long, you know, and and kind of made a big impression on me. Seemed like a small thing, but turned into That's something cool. pretty big for me. That's some solid gold right off the trail man i mean yeah. that's amazing brother it's like uh you know it doesn't it doesn't add up that much in a short day but the fatigue that your body is going to take just particularly your feet over the course of you know 30 miles in that many hours um i didn't want to didn't want to act like luke had never walked in the woods i don't know what we were you know I, I just thought about sharing it with him it's something that probably took me a lot of years to pay attention to but i will say about you know we talked Kincaid will undersell himself. Luke will do the same. 
I think my, when I think of, uh, of asking people to go, there's gotta be the right combination of fitness level and, um, and just toughness. And, uh, I knew Luke was fit enough. I also knew that I think I told, told you he suffers well. I mean, he just, he's tough as nails. Um, so, but I, I did, it didn't occur to me, which I'm glad it did Mahoney to, uh, to share with him, you know, this isn't the whole day. We're, we're not doing this climb for yeah. 14 hours. I think right. it was good for him to hear that. Yeah. 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 In that moment, you know, Mahoney's like, you know, this is going to be the toughest climb we're going to have all day. And then I was like, you know, that kind of gave me some assurance that, you know, this climb without trees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that I could kind of hang in there, yeah. you know, so that it's a good word for Mahoney as well. Totally, man. And I think it's, um, I think it's fair to say that Luke was carrying a Glock 45 caliber <laughs> ACP with, with a, an extra with, mag. With an extra mag. And we got to the top of Big Frog and we're like, Luke, why don't you just go ahead and shoot a mag's worth of ammunition and lighten your load a little bit? But, uh, he never did, so he, he carried that weight the whole way, man. <laughs> Hammered down, brother. So, um, yeah, man, that was an awesome climb. And then I think there were probably some some lessons learned for you, Jeff, uh, or, or some some kind of you know you know because you went into this knowing that you that you had an injury or whatever you want to call it, yeah. and and coming down. So going up, you were good, right? Going yeah, going up, I was fine. Yeah, uh, lungs my knee yeah so i went into it um i would say my knees was about 60 percent. but i went you know i think maybe i don't know what i was trying to talk myself into i think the one reason is i love this trip so much i love the kahuta so much because i grew up going to the kahuta as a young boy um it's like i have i'm going on this um and at least give it a go is what and so i um going up big frog I was like, okay, we can do this, and I then I was, but when I, we would step off that rock every now and then, I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't know about descending. So when, um, honestly, I was so glad that Luke came back to me. I, I mean, y'all weren't way ahead, but you were far enough ahead. I'm like, and I kept saying to myself, well, they're not getting farther ahead, so okay, we're good here. But when Luke dropped back to me, it really helped my mind too. I'm like, okay, now I've got a, I got a buddy to talk to, and Luke and I have suffered together before doing go rucks and just crossfit for years that he and i are familiar with suffering together so we i don't know maybe we just innately knew what to say to each other um so we got up to the top and the descent that first step down i went oh no this because i knew how steep the descent was and because it's steep oh yeah it almost seems steeper than the going up yeah it's in some spots right but thank goodness uh Nathan had uh, brought some poles for me, and man, I if I didn't have those poles, I would have we would I would have been sidestepping. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but I was, I saw myself, um, how slow I was going, and I went, man, we've got a lot of miles, and I'm going really slow on these descents. So that's when it started. I started uh, getting concerned about my day <laughs> because. Having done this before, I knew the next steep descent mm-hmm. off of uh, Hickory Ridge. Hickory Ridge in the dark. Right. I went. That's that's twenty more. You know, that's twenty five uh, miles into this. Right. And 
and I'm going to really be slow then. So I was, I was like, we're going to get back at two in the morning. Everybody's going to hate me for, <laughs> you know, slowing them down, you know. So you let me be that guy. So, <laughs> so, so I said, Luke, take my place. <laughs> <laughs> Avenge my death. Um, yeah. So it was, so this- uh, it was a mental, it was a, it was a mentally challenging day for me because I think since we've been doing all this stuff together, I've never just stopped. Oh no, no. you know, and and but I I thought of you guys and I went there. I can't do this to the team, right? And um, yeah, so well, you was, were you know, so you had not worked out at all. Like you had rested it for a good week, like yeah, nothing, right? Completely for a week, really for two weeks. I've right. done very little trying to you know take anti-inflammatories stretch that you know because i've had surgery on that knee and i've had my meniscus repaired on that knee and did something really well i don't know i didn't do i was playing with my son that's not really stupid but it was something that you would go wow you hurt doing yourself doing that um so you know i was just kind of trying to trying to get ready for the trip that's Mm -hmm. why i took a week off so, to try to give it a go. To try to give it a go. Yeah. yeah, I want to give myself the best chance to make this thing. I thought it, it was interesting on the way up. You know, you and Chad had not met, and so y'all were just talking. And as you were describing your job, uh, one of the things you said, I'm a professional risk manager, mm-hmm. which I would say suits your personality. So I thought uh, as you as the, the, the descent from Big Frog kind of began that assessment, like self-assessment of how's my knee, yeah. And what are the needs of, of the group? Right. What are my needs? Right. All that. Right. Uh, well, yeah, I immediately started doing that. Well, I'm going to tell you what I what I what I get from from just your situation, Jeff. Was so right off the bat, man, you were honest with the group about what your weakness was going to be for that day. You you were straight up, man. And and so I think that's really important. When we go out and work as a team, it's important to tell your team what your weaknesses are and also what your strengths are. Um, and a lot, I think a lot of people, especially men, when we step off on a, on a mission like this, dude, we don't want to tell each other our weaknesses. Like we don't, we don't want to say, you know, this is, I'm dealing with this, whether it's mental or physical, but if we don't do that, it can become dangerous uh, when we get out in the middle of this mission. And also if we don't share our strengths, you know, that's something like, so, so Kincaid is so humble. He is so humble, but he, he needs to, I, I feel like one thing that he could improve upon is sharing his strengths with others. Because if, if you would do that, Kincaid, if you would share your strength with the group, I'm not criticizing you. You're, it's, it's humility, man, and I'm, I'm totally on board with that. But then we, we could know, okay, we need to call upon Kincaid. We need to call upon um, Nathan, Luke, whoever it may be. When, when you're dealing with, with your weakness, you know who to call upon because you know what their strengths are. And then when we know each other's weaknesses, we can better help each other in the same way. So what are you thinking, Kay? I think that's a good point. Um, 
I think, like you said, just being honest and transparent with the group is probably the best way for progression to happen. And I think that's true for anything, whether it's, you know, outside in a work environment, um, in academics, you know, being, I think, transparent and trying to help other people understand where you're at. And it is the best way to understand where other people are at as well. And like you were saying from that point, then you can all work together. And I think a lot of that, you know, for me and my, I think it's, it is hard for me to probably open up about, um, my own maybe strengths compared to other people's. Cause I wouldn't want to, um, make that as like a assumption for them that I have a strength in a certain area. So I think for me that I think that's a good point, something I could work on, but I think it's also just getting to know people better. Like the, the more you are with a group, then the more you kind of understand each uh, person's abilities, just time with them as well, I think can be helpful. Uh, I feel like with Nathan and uh, Jeff Mahoney and Luke, you know, I've known those guys a little longer and done some, especially with Nathan, you know, where I've worked for Nathan for years with higher ground and, I think he knows probably my abilities pretty well. He knows not to uh, probably give me many ropes and stuff like that <laughs> on heights. I, I don't really like heights. So I think Nathan probably knows my abilities probably better than anybody in that group. And, um, but, yeah, it definitely could have been more transparent. I think that's a good point. Yeah, and, and you hit another one, man. You talk about heights, and, <clears throat> you know, that's, that, that is one of those – one of those things that if you have a fear of heights, if you have, those are the things that we're talking about sharing with the team, you know what I mean? And that's hard to admit a lot of times, but in, in, in inevitably it's going to make the mission safer and more successful if we share that stuff with each other. So, you know, I think Jeff, you going into it, you were totally transparent about, you know, what you were dealing with right off the bat, man. And, and, and that allowed us to, I think that allowed you to go a lot further in in the in the mission than you would have if you would have just mentioned it halfway through that first loop, you know. Right. You know, and honestly, two things. I I was seriously considering just pushing through, but I was concerned about just I'm like I'm just going to come out of here and definitely need surgery. If I'm doing that many descents, my that the rest of my meniscus is going to tear. That's what I'm thinking in my head. But the other one is, I think a lot of men do, is it's hard to share a weakness with somebody. I mean, I've known probably Nathan the longest. Well, I've known you the longest, but I've known him since he was like 11 or something. So, But um, to share a weakness takes some guts because you don't – I think a lot of guys don't want to look weak in front of each other. Right. And, um, and so – and I, I had just met you – and I'm going, yeah, Chad's going to think I'm this guy who shows up <laughs> and then quits all the time. You know, and that's, that went through my head. And, yeah. and, and one, I had to go, well, that's not true just because I think he's going to think that. Um, and I had, you know, and I had to think about Nathan will back me up. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, and that's, you know, let's say that he did think that's not, that's not true anyway. It's not who you are. But, right. But being as a, as a man, I think a lot of men really, don't want to show weakness right well and, and it's difficult it's difficult too but there's a freedom in that and there when, when you can because one it's information and and two it, it there you know it's if you're not sharing it you're hiding it <laughs> and mm-hmm. and that's the worst thing to do is try to hide something because in some areas particularly out in the woods 
fake it till you make it doesn't really work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I'm i glad I did. And I'm glad I drove. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I'd have been sitting for a long time. It's tough to, to, to say today isn't the day, even though I'm capable of this trip. Yeah. You know, this just where I am and what my body is dealing with right now. Right. I need to make a different decision. Right. So, so we came, we, we came on that big sharp descent off of, uh, off a big frog. And then we come down into this little saddle. Um, and, and we, we get a little brief up here. I can distinctly remember Nathan saying, Jeff, all right, you get about a hundred yards of reprieve. Cause it felt that that hundred yards felt so good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. So we're in this saddle and, um, I want Luke to tell us about his rain jacket, man. <laughs> oh, well, That's all we have to say. Well, I'm, uh, usually a person that comes prepared. I usually check and double check the list, but somehow I left the house without a rain jacket. So, uh, relied on Mahoney. Uh, his contribution was uh, an extra poncho from, I think it was from the 1960s, you know, probably when they first came out. (laughs) But uh, it was great. Um, And I think around that time was when we passed another group of uh, three hikers. And, you know. Chad said, keep Luke in the middle so he don't see the poncho. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was clear I was not the leader of the group at that time. I thought he got it from one of the cart boys at Publix. (laughs) (laughs) This thing was a straight up clear plastic grocery bag, man. This thing was it was pl- real comfortable and breathable, wasn't it, Luke? Uh, very, very breathable, but <laughs> it also uh, kept my pack dry, so it was great. Yeah. Oh man, so yeah, that's when uh, yeah, that's when Luke got his um, started raining about that point pretty hard, and it, the temperature dropped probably easy ten degrees. Yeah, easily. Oh, yeah. Yeah, easy 10 degrees. So it it literally went from like the morning, the hike up, big frog, super warm. Like we kept feeling these, remember those waves of like really warm air that were hitting us? Like those thermal drafts or whatever. And then then we hit that saddle coming down, started raining, temperature dropped way down. And uh, and we continued to descend. Um, Yeah, and Jeff... We we get all the way that that was a descent all the way to the like yeah you drop down uh if you're familiar with it you drop down Hemp Top into the Cahutta and then we took Penitentiary Branch to Jack's River and then stopped there at lunch before our first crossing water crossing yep yep and is that where is that where we lost you Jeff was no, no we oh yeah because you was, you did a few water crossings yeah too. We, I did a few water crossings because we. Did that one where you go up that rock face. You know, you come straight to that rock face, and you have to scramble a little bit. And you know what I did notice on both my river crossings? I don't know if y'all, you guys noticed it either. But Kincaid stood there and watched each person make sure they got across. Did y'all notice that? He was like, I'm I'm going to the protector. Hit the protector. I was like, and I felt good because I know he's familiar with water. Yeah. You know, much more than I am. And so I noticed that. He was standing right beside us. I don't know if it's because he thinks I'm an old guy, but I really, I really appreciate it. And, um, but then he showed us a, a way of getting across that I didn't know. Yeah. So I want, that was, that was good. Okay. Kate, I want you to talk through, um, for the listeners, if, if they decide to go out on a mission of their own, 
Um, not only you were counting the water crossings, so I want to know how many water crossings that held on, how many we did, and these were like legit river crossings. These were legit, like it was, it was, it it, it was dangerous. Um, so, Kincaid, how many water crossings? And then I want you to talk through proper etiquette, proper safe safety procedures when doing a water crossing. Particularly, you, you know, you mentioned if your foot gets caught under a rock in shallow water. I mean, you know, the, the whole nine yards, man, I think, because for our listeners that want to go out on an adventure, they can learn a lot uh, of good safety stuff from you on that because you spend so much time in it, brother. For sure. Well, to the best of my recollection, there were, I think we had 17 pretty legitimate water crossings and, you know, a bunch of cr- smaller creeks, but mm-hmm. definitely... 17 solid water crossings and uh, as far as technique goes for you know getting across those safely I'm certainly not an expert but I have learned a thing or two um, just through kayaking and paddling and just you know hiking in the woods over the years and I was telling Chad on some of some of those that some things that I was worried about was like foot entrapment which um, doesn't sound like a huge deal you know what so what if your foot gets stuck in a crack in the rock but the thing is that could happen with that is if you lose your balance or, you know, get pushed over, which is pretty easy when you're fatigued and water's pushing on you from a different direction, you got a heavy backpack, you know, you can lose your balance pretty quick. Um, so if your foot's stuck and you lose your balance, then you're going to be, you know, in the water. And it, it can be hard to get up if your foot's especially upstream of you and the current's pushing you downstream. You know, it gets deeper usually, and it can just be really hard to get your even keep your head above water. So, you know, that's something I'm always pretty concerned with when I'm in the, especially moving current at all. I'm, you know, always making sure I'm keeping track of where I'm putting my feet and what's below me and uh, just like which direction I'm, I'm leaning. Uh, so I was telling Chad some of that. And then on a couple crossings, you know, I'd heard Nathan talk about this trip in the past and he made the water crossing sound pretty serious. And I was like, man, how bad can they be? You know, there's trails going all across them. You know, other people have got to do them. So surely, like, you know, wouldn't be too bad for, you know, people that are experienced. But there were some pretty legitimate water crossings, especially that uh, the last one we did it in the night, I thought yeah. was a pretty serious, you know, and there's definitely some big risks there. Um, is it, the river was really choked down to probably, I don't know, Jack's River is probably, what do you think, 30 or 40 feet wide most places. And mm-hmm. here it was probably about 20. And it was dark and we we're all tired, you know, we'd, hiked all but four miles, I think, back to the car. Um, and here, I think the current was definitely moving pretty fast, and, you know, it was dark, and we had our headlamps on. I just, I just thought if something happened, it would probably be in this situation. So I kind of went across first, and I ended up choosing a different route than most people. I went down below. The water was a little more calm. It wasn't quite as rough. There wasn't as much gradient, which – uh made me feel a little bit better just in terms of getting like swept over a rapid or over bumping on some rocks or something. And I also saw a big, uh, eddy in the middle of the river that I knew I could get to pretty much just from jumping from the bank. If I, if it came to that and it was hard, really hard to tell how deep it was, but I just decided to go for it. And sure enough, it like, it was pretty deep. I think I was up to about my armpits deep, man, (laughs) but, but I was in the eddy. So I knew I could hang out there and, you know, kind of get my wits about me and get across to the other shore and uh, from that eddy, I was able to get across pretty easily. And I had a throw rope in my bag, which and I just brought just because I was probably a little bit paranoid about some of these water crossings. But I throw rope and 
whitewater is a good way to rescue people that end up getting in the current or drifting downstream or people that are stuck. You can, you know, there's a bunch of different ways to use it. So I kind of got on the other bank and had that just in case somebody got swept off their feet crossing there. I could, you know, hit them with a bag and hopefully bring them into shore. Um, and then, uh, Luke was going across and, uh, Nathan let me borrow one of his sticks and I went out to Luke and there's another technique that I've learned, um, through a swift water rescue course I took. And it was about, uh, basically if you have more than one person, you're crossing some swift moving current, the person in the front can kind of act as a rock or, and make like an eddy behind them. And then that person behind them can actually stand in that eddy and support the person in front of them. So it's really mutually beneficial. You know, Luke might think he has the tough end of the deal cause he's trying to hold me up, but you know, I'm actually making it a little bit easier for him because there's a big eddy behind me. And I think you both can support each other through that. And that's a cool, I think, thing to do. And it works with more than just two people as well. You know, it works better with three people, really, probably three to four. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We did it with four people earlier, and I think we kind of gave up halfway through because it wasn't (laughs) super. It fell apart, dude. (laughs) You didn't didn't really need it there, but I I thought it worked really well for Luke and I later in the the evening. It it did, yeah, it was great. Uh, You know, you were the first one to cross, and I was the last one to cross, and you you kind of coming back and taking care of me there was much appreciated. I was I was moving pretty slow at that point and the the protector in you, you know, saw a need to help. So Well I was I was happy to help. I, I enjoy being in the water and I was chafing pretty bad, so I didn't mind the cool water <laughs> at that point. Yeah. So uh, I think something that, that that you said right there, Kincaid, that that really struck me, man, was that operational risk management like that was going through your head you you were looking at the conditions you were looking at the level of fatigue within our group you were looking at the fact that it was dark Um, you were taking all those factors into consideration and you were rate you were raising or lowering in this scenario raising your your awareness of the risk by taking an inventory of the factors that were in play in that moment. And that's super, super important, man. And that's what we do in the SEAL teams, dude, constantly, constantly. But I think there's very few civilians that their mind ticks that way. And that's why stupid stuff happens to people all the time. Stupid stuff, dude. Like, you know? And it's just simply because they don't manage their risk and they don't take those factors into consideration. So I think it's really cool that at that nighttime crossing, you were conscious of all those factors. And you said, if something's going to happen, it's probably going to be in this scenario. And that's the, that's the first time. I didn't even know you had that throw rope. But that's when you got the throw rope out and you were ready to rock and roll. So good on you, brother. Yeah. It was fun because y'all. I think you were first across, Chad, and then Kincaid. Me and Luke were still getting a snack or something. And I was like, "Man, they're just they're ready to go." <laughs> I know it's late, but I want to eat something. Um, so it was you know about halfway across when I was about halfway. I saw Kincaid moving up the bank. And I, it was fine. I just was like, "What? What's he doing?" I go, "Is he going to take a picture of me?" It's, um, but it was that like he was he was ready for action. It's fun to see. Like, he didn't make a big fuss over it or a big announcement. It, he was just kind of being who he is. That's it, man. That's it. 
I think a lot of that's just from being in positions where I've had to make decisions, you know, throughout my life, especially with Nathan, you know, trusting me with a higher ground and, you know, his business, you know, I've led a couple of trips for him backpacking and climbing and just stuff like that, where, you know, I'm in those situations where I have to manage risk for those people involved. And, you know, I just appreciate that having that responsibility throughout my life, you know, with kayaking and other sports too. I've been really uh, lucky having people, you know, trusting me so I can, you know, kind of learned how to manage those risks and hopefully it'll carry on throughout my life. But totally bro. A lot of that's just having good friends and having people that trust you with stuff. All right. Next, the next, I guess, memorable portion of the hike for me. And you guys feel free to jump in if, if I missed something, but was when we came to that intersection and Jeff had to make his decision. So we came to an intersection. We had done this, this massive, what was like 14 mile loop. I think that's about right. Yeah. So we come to this intersection and Jeff has to make a decision, um, with the, you know, the shape that his knees in of whether he's going to launch off on the second loop, which is a separate 14 or 15 mile loop, or he can at this intersection, he can take the other trail that leads him up to his vehicle, which is four miles away. And um, I didn't know what you were thinking at that point. Like I didn't, I didn't know that you were gonna. I, of course, I didn't really know where I was at in the first place, so I didn't know. Like, okay, he's he's making a decision here of whether to launch off back out into the wilderness or take this four mile track back to the truck. I didn't even know that was an option right there. So, um, that kind of, it kind of caught me off guard, but, um, what was going on? I know you talked through it a little bit before, but like specifically what drove you toward that decision? What was, what was going on in your head there? And how was that, that four miles alone back to, to the car, man? Um, well, I think I I think I ran it by Nathan because he and I run things by each other quite a bit, mm-hmm. and um, just in life. And I was like, "Hey, here's how I'm feeling." I knew I've done I've done this look this figure eight before. I knew what was coming up, and I had to think of the 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 long game here about my knee, and. Uh, not wanting to injure it or further the injury so bad that I would have to have another surgery or anything because there's really no, you know, nobody has time for that, honestly. And then, like I said, I was when I was like, oh, golly, I'm going to let, I'm going to let somebody down or they're going to look bad at me. And I went, but then I had, I was like, I can't. And then, I, then my, then my wife, Katie's voice <laughs> came in my mm-hmm. head too. That's like, happened to me before. Would have gone, you were really dumb to do that. You know, because, you know, she double, triple checked with me. And she would have been right. And she would have been right. Yeah. She would have been. Uh, and um, and so after running it by Nathan, I went, I'm, I'm going to, I'm pulling the plug, man. And, uh, and, and, and really, honestly, one of the biggest things was I was going to slow you guys down. And y'all were going to get so late back to the car because I was going to be so slow on that descent. And that was a, that was a huge thing. Like I can't do this to these guys because it'll be two in the morning. Mm-hmm. I felt like, so I launched off on the four mile hike, and so I mean I've hiked alone plenty, and um, I really 
I really, once I made the decision, didn't question it. I was like, this was the right decision. The reason I didn't want to make the decision is how it appeared. Oh, how it appeared. Yeah. So um, that's why I, that that was the hardest part. But once I made it and ran it by Nathan, kind of got his blessing. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm doing it. So um, hiking back, it was a little weird. Um, hiking by yourself. I don't. I'm, I think we've all hiked by ourselves at some point. So I whistled for about two miles. <laughs> um, how great thou art! Nice. <laughs> it made me feel better. Nice. For one reason, it calmed me, and another reason, I'm like, I want. Oh wait, what was? I think it was Kincaid, and Kincaid earlier in the day said, "Hey, you know what they do with the bears in the Smokies? <laughs> That's right. They get around people, eat their stuff. They put them in the cajadas." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh great, I've got bears here that aren't afraid of people. <laughs> That's awesome." So I immediately started thinking of what Kincaid had said. And so I whistled so, one, they would hear me. I didn't want to sneak up on one. <laughs> and, uh, but, but the hike, you know, it, it solidified my idea because my hike out was painful mm -hmm. to my knees. And so I was like, yeah. But, you know, I, I wasn't mentally feeling bad about my decision at all. And I, I, my question for you guys was, I was... When I got to the car, and I, it may have been because I was by myself, that drive back, I was about to fall asleep. Oh, yeah, we'll get into that. Okay. <laughs> I was like, man, I've got, I was like slapping myself in the head going, I've got to stay awake. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get into that <laughs> okay. for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I thought, uh, if I can chime in, yeah, um, you know, it, it showed a lot of um, wisdom and precaution on Jeff's part, even before the trip to say, Hey, my intent is to finish this, but I, I'm also recognizing where I am. Maybe we should take two vehicles so that uh, I'm, A, not sitting at this trail intersection while you guys finish a hike, and or B, you know, we're not cutting the whole thing short for everyone. Uh, and then I, I know Jeff well enough to know, you know, after the descent, we have the first major crossing, and we have some miles that are pretty flat. And, and seemingly your knee's not bothering you in those miles. You're, we're moving really quick. Right. Uh, and so, you, you know, it's a, that's a tough place to make a decision to cut your trip short because in that moment you feel fine. You're really having to forecast out and say, I, I know enough to know that how I feel now isn't, you know, the terrain that, that I'm experiencing now isn't what's coming. And to, to kind of make a decision based on the future versus just what you feel in the moment. Um, and again, kind of what we talked about, knowing that there's, with that, some disappointment that you're feeling in yourself, you know, not being able to do the trip. And yeah. I don't know, tough spot to be, but hands down, the right decision. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I could have only imagined, like, um, like the energy shift that you had to have felt from being with this group of, of your brothers out in the woods to all of a sudden within a split second a single turn being all by yourself and it's it's not that you uh, I, I, I by no means would any of us had had been necessarily afraid in that situation right. but it's just that that energy inner you had to have felt the energy shift because there's so much power within this group of of men you know yeah I, yeah I, I th I'm a pretty firm believer of of being in relationship just in my life uh, being mentored and mentoring, you know, that type of deal. And so 
and just with my faith as well. And so, so to be, I, I don't, I don't think anybody should be alone for that long, you, you know, uh, cause it's what I believe. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So I, the dynamic of the group was right. Yeah. On Saturday. And, and I'm with Nathan, the small group, you know, an, another person would have thrown it off in my mind. So you, you hate to leave that dynamic because all of a sudden it's just my dynamic and it's to whistle and be scared of bears, you know, <laughs> and, and, um, yeah, it, it, it did. It, there was a lonely feeling. That's probably why I whistled because I needed to hear, Yeah, I need to hear something because it, it, it's fun hiking because you can hear all these conversations and, and then Luke and I had a great conversation going on my descent when my knees were killing me. Luke and I were having a great conversation about an upcoming, uh, event that's in his life that, and, um, yeah, you, you, you do gain energy from that. And it was, yeah, it was gone <laughs> pretty quickly when I got yeah. on the trail. It's, it, it is a huge shift and that's, it's just the, the power of, of people and, and conversation and, and fellowship. It's so powerful, you know, and I've experienced it so many times in ultra running and, you know, SEAL training and SEAL teams and, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely should not be, uh, I guess, underrated. So if you find yourself in a hard spot, surround yourself with the right people, and you're going to make it a whole lot further oh, absolutely. Than, uh, than, you, than you ever could by yourself. So, yeah, so um, Jeff makes that decision and uh, breaks off, heads back toward the truck, and we launch off back into the wilderness for this, uh, for this second loop, and it's already been a long day. Um, and, and we're launching off. We're like, this is the point of no return. Right. If we, when we step off from this intersection, you know, we got to complete this loop and we knew that it was going to be well into the night before we got back. Um, but, uh, we decided to step off and Luke, if I remember right, brother, this was kind of the place where your hip really started, you know, um, talking to you, man, uh, going along, you know, along the Jack's river there. Um, talk, talk to me just a little bit about what was going on there as that kind of flared up and started talking to you and, and, uh, mentally, you know, what did it do to you and, and, you know, how you worked through it, man? Yeah, I think for me, uh, you know, my hip had been bothering me for a few weeks and, um, Mahoney had given me some ibuprofen which uh after about an hour that kicked in was feeling better and then as that started to wear again and as we started to climb i don't know if we need to get to east cow pen at this point yet or not but you know just i was, I was keep i think we can get it we can get to that down the road you know as we started to climb again i started to struggle again and i i think the thing for me was that it got to the point where i I didn't have the mobility in my right leg that I needed. So I, every time we came to a tree crossing or, or an obstacle, I was kind of having to time my steps and strategize how I was going to get across it and allow my left foot to lead. And, you know, and so that was just kind of mentally taxing to have to be kind of that focused and always forward thinking. And it was slowing me down too, uh, yeah. which was frustrating, but, yeah. and um, and you and I, along that section on the Jacks River, shortly after 
uh, Jeff broke off. You and I got to share some conversation, man, that I think is very valuable to the listeners. And, you know, if you'd be willing to share it with, with, with the listeners, I think it would add a lot to their life. And it was about leadership and about how you treat um, your team members uh, within your business and, and uh, being a good leader and, and learning how to love on people when it's necessary. You know, I mean, do you mind sharing with us just your philosophy on that, man? Because that really impacted me, that, that 10 minutes of conversation that we had with each other. Yeah, this is uh, kind of a, a, a new chapter in my story, I guess I could say. It's, you know, kind of been evolving in the last year and a half. And it's honestly in a big part to the people that, I've been surrounded with in the last few years of my life. You know, a lot of people have uh, sewn into me and um, I'm, I'm thankful for that. And, and, and I feel like God's doing a work in me, but um, you know, I, I've always been maybe a little more old school and I work in construction and things are a little rougher, you know, and I've just always been a part of that. Um, but in the last year and a half, I've, I've learned that, you know, people need to be loved on and built up and appreciated and encouraged. And, um, you know, you got to find people's strengths and weaknesses and try to put them in positions to succeed and, and help build up their self-esteem and, and who they are, make them feel their strengths and feel strong in them. And, um, I haven't always been very good at that. And, uh, it's pretty humbling when I when I found that out about myself, and so I've just been on a journey in the last year or so to uh, to hopefully improve my leadership skills, um, so that I can help develop other people's leadership skills. You know, so that they can help develop other people, and you know, hopefully, so that we can take the brokenness, you know, in our workforce or in our communities, and you know, help put people back together and, and build them up and allow them to contribute to other people's lives. So that's so powerful, brother. And I think you shared with me also, Luke, that, um, how, how much the productivity has went up since you've switched that leadership model. Um, I think you said you did, you did more with less people this past, and you can, you can tell the story about how much it went up. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We did, we did more, work in 2019 with a smaller crew you know with less workforce so um that was pretty astounding to me just to see you know honestly just when people feel loved and appreciated and communicated to and everyone knows what the goal is or what the mission is and we're all on the same page you know how much that can change things make things more efficient make people work harder um it, it was it's it's really been a lot of fun to to see you know yeah that's about that's so powerful man that's just and that resonated so much with me and i think that lesson that you shared with me there along the jacks river will stay with me the rest of my life especially when i'm in a position to lead so thank you brother yes sir um so, yeah, we carry on down Jack's River. We go across the falls. Kincaid's analyzing the falls because they've never been kayaked before. And uh, he's like, yeah, man, if it was just a little bit more water, I think that it, it would be passable. <laughs> and so uh, <clears throat> that was cool to hear him talk about that and see him get a little fired up. And, 
you know, really analyze. That's a pretty intense waterfall right there, man. And and uh, then we kind of break off the, the Jack's River. We get to our last water source, our final water source, Kincaid. You knew where that was, and you were, prep, you know, pimping us on it. And uh, we all stop and talk, top off, and then we go up through this next section of trail, and it literally looks like a freaking nuclear bomb had went off, dude. Walk us through that, Nathan. Yeah, I mean, we, so we crossed the the last or uh, that crossing at Jackson. We we turn onto Rice Camp, which typically, you know, there's some trees down, uh, but I mean, it, your words that I mean, it's like complete devastation, whether it's from some fire and, and wind or whether it's a beetle. I, I don't know what it is, but a lot of that wilderness is decimated right now. And so it, it's um, so much so that I've walked past the turn initially uh, and, and then saw the, the river. And I was like, oh, that's a really pretty spot. I don't think I've ever noticed it before and really quickly realized it's because that's not the way of this route. So we turned around and, but it's a section of trail that you're thinking, you know, it, it, it's uphill, but it's, easy trail more or less and you're going to kind of make some time and and it just wasn't that way um right out of the gates there were tons of trees down and we just really fought our way up the jack or uh, up rice camp entirely i mean i think it's i don't remember the mileage exactly four is it four four and a half or five miles uh and and it didn't particularly that lower section kind of lower up through the middle um just wasn't given mileage easy uh, and then that took us, you know, we fought our way through it and then transition at the top of that onto East Cowpen. I think I made mention to, you know, in my mind, East Cowpen's kind of, uh, you climb a little bit at the beginning and then it's more or less flat and it's kind of a wide old roadbed. And then you're at, uh, at Hickory Ridge and it's much more of a climb, uh, a sustained climb than I remembered. Uh, and, and I think that. For me, anyway, that section is kind of where things start to get long mentally. The, you, you start to feel the wear and tear of the day and starting to lose light, the light's shifting. And um, so that that's an interesting section, I guess, at least for uh, Luke and I had some good conversation on it. Um, and I don't know, you and it's not been said that Chad, you and Kincaid are, are of the group easily the most fit. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm not sure where y'all's heads were as the as the miles wore on, if this was at all fatiguing or if you were just ready to get back to the car. Um, I mean, I was definitely getting tired. It was a long, a long day, um, uh, no matter what. You know, I think anybody would probably be tired. I can't speak for Chad, but, I mean, I was definitely. Oh, I wasn't tired at all, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Keep going. But. I mean, yeah, just when you're outside for that long, I think no matter, you know, what you're doing, we had been outside for probably close to 12 hours at that point and um, making decisions for a long time, even if it's not something that's physically taxing, you know, mentally, just making those decisions and assessments can wear on you as well. Um, I think I was definitely feeling that, just, you know, trying to manage my own nutrition and hydration and, um, you know, just assessing the different situations that we were coming across and, uh, I was certainly a little frustrated, you know, just from seeing all those down trees. I, I was wearing shorts, so, you know, anytime there was a down tree, we had to, like, scramble through the woods or go over. I was getting pretty beat up. Um, yeah, so it's definitely just, like, you know, frustration, if nothing else. I mm -hmm. think, even, you know, if the trail had been good, it had been one thing, but we were just working with what we had and um, trying to make the best of it. So Yeah. 
Yeah, and so a lot of times these these endurance type of, of missions, they literally come down to patience. And and I think with all the down trees, that was really an opportunity for me personally to practice my patience. Because like in Kate said, not only were they <clears throat> physically taxing to, you know, crawl across and over and scramble around these things, but it was just like man, it's one after the other. When is this, like, when are we going to get to a clean piece of trail? And you literally just had to to maintain that patience to say, okay, well, I'm, I'm just going to get over this next tree and see what's on the other side. And, um, yeah, man, going up that cow pen trail. Luke, do you remember what you named that trail, man? <laughs> I think I called it uh, East Feel Like I Want to Roll Around in the Cow Pen Trail. <laughs> <laughs> That was a that was a in like a not a super like steep pinch right there, but it was a sustained difficult climb. Um, and was that was that a low point for you, Luke? It's probably my lowest point. Uh, I was really struggling at that point, um, and you guys had kind of it, it was getting to where that trail was kind of you'd get up to a bend and you'd you know if you weren't with everyone you would lose sight of everyone so it was kind of if you guys would get around the bend then i would have a stretch there where i just felt isolated i probably wasn't more than 50 yards from you guys maybe 75 at the most but it felt like so much farther you know and so you know my head started playing games with me at that point and uh i was struggling physically you know those climbs it was is hard for me to rehydrate and maintain nutrition and that was just a long uphill stretch right there and um i was hurting at that point um and before we got to the top i had started cramping you know and at that point uh i had nathan with me and you know it was it was incredible you know him dropping back there with me you know there's strength in numbers, you know. Uh, we can do more together than we can alone. You know, you, you could just keep naming the cliches, but having him there with me, he just started talking to me. We started having a conversation, and it, it wasn't even about what my body was feeling anymore at that point. We were just fellowshipping, you know, and we were, we were talking, and we were sharing our hearts with each other, and uh, we just kept moving. You know, and he shared some electrolyte replacements with me too, which was fantastic. <laughs> but you, you know, it just uh, it it was really amazing to me. Um, I I don't like to ask for help, but I feel like everyone helped me at some point on this journey, and uh, I feel like that's a a beautiful picture of life too, because we don't get through it alone. You know, people are always helping us and contributing to our story. And, uh, so, so true on, on this hike. And I just feel like, you know, everyone's got different gifts and talents and strengths. And, um, you know, as we share those, I mean, that's ultimately how the body of Christ is supposed to work, you know, and, um, I hope I was able to contribute something to you guys. You know, I felt pretty weak, uh, throughout most of that. And I felt like I was mostly taken, but, uh, I was super appreciative of, of everything that each one of you gave to me over the course of those 14 hours. Couldn't have done it 
honestly without you. So, um, no truer words ever been spoken, brother. I mean, I agree with you a hundred percent. And, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was, I guess the last really like sustained arduous climb of, of the mission. Wasn't it, Nathan? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, and, uh, there are a few things that, that I think about. There's a quote from Thoreau that started, it's pretty, pretty famous. I went into the woods because I wished to, to live deliberately, but he goes on and later on he says, nor did I wish to practice resignation unless it was quite necessary. And I think at that point in the day and the number of trees that you encountered, I mean, that's kind of what I thought is like, you just have to be resigned to the fact that these trees are here. You can't really speed up the way that you go around them. I mean, it just, this is what we're dealing with. And you kind of got to shift down and be patient with it and resign yourself to this reality and, and not let it beat against you mentally. Uh, and then I knew, I mean, I, I was feeling tired that section. And uh, there was a comment, probably the, the last time we did this hike, we had completed a section and uh, Jeff and I were talking and he used this phrase. He said, uh, the, my demons really came out to play on that last section. And I just love that terminology because I think, you know, all of us have for to use that phrase you know demons that kind of come out to play with us mentally whether it's you know self-deprecating thoughts or or you know i find when we're struggling mentally and physically in a task it tends to take us to either things that are really important to us kind of come to the to mind or um we think about things that we're struggling with in in the broader context of life so you know being who i am and kind of as part of what i do uh, when I'm get to engage with someone and, and talk like that, that was, I, I wouldn't have wanted for anything better than for the conversation that Luke and I had. And it came out of both of us being tired and uh, being worn down enough to just be really honest and transparent and not really worried about what the other thought. And, um, and so it, I think that's, those are the moments that I live for. Uh, and I think I said to you at some point you know, to use terminology that your listeners are, are used to is uh, we weren't given voice to pain in a physical sense, but we were taking what the physical pain was, was producing mentally and emotionally then led to really meaningful conversation. And I think that, you know, epitomizes the essence of what these trips are for me. And that's where those are the moments that physical challenges is, is important and beneficial, not because it's hard and you overcome or, or not just that, but because it leads to this, deeper introspection and conversation and community and brotherhood. Uh, and so it, it was one of those moments. And, and, and to your point, Luke, it, you know, I think when you're in that position, you feel like you're getting so much from the rest of the group. You're just not aware of what you're giving. And, and all of us to a man would say, you know, you gave far more than you took over the course of the day. And uh, it wouldn't, wouldn't have been the same trip without you. Yeah, hundred percent. You're going back to what Luke was talking about. Luke was pretty hilarious the entire trip. I feel like every time you know we kind of caught our breath, Luke would have something pretty witty to say about what we just went through or his current situation. And he was super generous the whole time too, like offering food to people. And you know, he had these peanut butter honey tortillas that he. I don't know how many he ate, but he seemed to have enough that he That's wanted what? to share with people. <laughs> And he was really generous with that, so I, I really appreciate Luke for that. And just his humor, I mean, I feel like when you're tired and frustrated and 
out in the woods all day and hungry and you know it can be really hard to be funny or say something funny but every time he came around you know just made me smile he he would say something pretty funny that get a chuckle out of me for sure yeah well and then when nathan's planning this we start immediately going well who do we want and and it's like luke because he's got to come on he's the dynamic Mm -hmm. that if he's not there it's thrown off yeah 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 he's got to be there or it's not a trip right well, and that, that humor thing, you know, so that's something that we used a lot in the SEAL teams, man, and in SEAL training. Like, you know, no matter how bad it would get, there's going to be some dude there like Luke that is going to crack a joke and then it's going to change the whole dynamic of the team. Um, you know, whether it was real world downrange or whether it was in training, you got to – those guys contribute so much to – morale mm-hmm. through that humor and and i don't i don't have that within me like i'm not a i i say something funny like twice a year dude like i just <laughs> it's just not in my wheelhouse man but yeah i mean some of the stuff that uh i mean some of the stuff that luke would pop off with <laughs> i mean we can't share it here <laughs> not that it was not that it was you know super vulgar inappropriate but um it was just I mean, just absolutely would have you rolling, man. And then, uh, and then I think to your point, Nathan, you talk about how that physical activity, it, it really does, man. It strips away all the barriers that we put up uh, around ourselves and all the walls that we put in between each other. Like that, that adversity, that physical pain, literally those walls crumble, man. And that's where we can have real, true conversation. That's where we can really be open to one another and learn from one another. And that's where that brotherhood is formed. It's because of that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and, and I think that for the, why do the listeners need to know that? I mean, you know, if you have a company, say, say, say you have a company, you know, provide an environment. Uh, for for physical activity for your employees at you know to work together as a team and to work through something that's physically taxing um to get them out of their comfort zone to allow these walls to crumble between them because then that's where that brotherhood's going to form or sisterhood's going to form and then that in turn is going to transfer into that office environment or uh, or whatever the actual job is you know like after the mission that we all did together, like I feel like we, we could start a company tomorrow and like conquer the world, man. Like that's the way I feel about it. But yeah, no doubt, man. So we get to the top of the mountain. Um, I sit on a log while Kincaid sit. I sit on a log, hammering uh, rugged meats, beef jerky, <laughs> snack sticks, and sausage links while Kincaid eats his nuts and seeds and berries. Kincaid's a vegetarian. <laughs> he fueled properly out there. Yeah. Chucker had like avocado. Um, yeah, I don't, what was it? Like basil, avocado, sun-dried tomato. Yeah. Some, what was it? It was just like an avocado hummus sandwich. It's pretty simple, really. What was the, right. uh, <laughs> what was the other one? Blackberry. Um, I, I did have a blackberry, like peanut butter honey sandwich as well. You, you grew the blackberries, didn't yeah. you? This yeah. this chugger had a this chugger had a backpack what folded open, and it want nothing but food, grapefruits, <laughs> packets of Justin's almond butter. 
um, hazelnut butter, like whole oranges, 16 sandwiches. <laughs> they want nothing in his bag but food. And it was all whole food. Yeah, he was talking about my generosity, but he was like, uh, he was he was like the Whole Foods store, and he was just giving it all away. He he wasn't even making you buy it, and he was totally sharing everything. I think it's because I was getting so tired, my back was so heavy. With food. <laughs> hey, that grapefruit was on point up there, though, wasn't it, man? Do you remember that thing? Gra- grapefruit was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah I never would have thought that, was that good would have been so good. Yeah. So yeah, we get to the top of that climb, but um, you know. We start our descent to the river, and we we had a section up the, I guess, the last mile or so of that climb that was pretty clean trail. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't bad at all. And we hit the summit. When we start down, and, dude, that was probably the worst section of trails, in my opinion, when it came to the, the down trees. And that's where we were really just following just barely a trace of a trail um yeah i think at one point you said i i don't know i could be on a hog trail yeah i have no idea if this is right or not it literally looked like a game trail um and and of course you know there again the just crisscrossed with these massive pine trees um i found a fly fishing pole (laughs) i thought that was pretty cool kincaid had been teaching me how to fly fish throughout the day and um yeah, I was fired up about that, but anyways, yeah, we're headed down. This is kind of our final final descent, pretty much, Yeah, and the light starts to change. It starts to get dark on us, and you guys had been saying that whole descent, oh, we're going to make it to the river before dark. We're going to make it to the river before dark, so it gets dark. I'm talking about it gets pitch dark. <laughs> And I cut my headlamp on, and and you guys refused to put a headlamp on because you wanted to, I guess, what what were you guys thinking? <laughs> you guys were literally walking. You guys were crawling over massive dead pine trees following a pig trail in the pitch dark, freaking 10 miles away from the nearest fire road. What was going on there? I was like, what in the world? I think Kate or Luke should answer that. I mean, for me, it just kind of comes down to being stubborn, I think. <laughs> um, I told everybody I was pretty sure we'd make it to the river before dark, and I feel like getting out of the headlamp was admitting it was dark. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess I don't really like to be wrong. <laughs> I mean, I could kind of see. I feel like I knew I was still going downhill, and I knew as long as I kept going downhill, the river was gonna be down there eventually (laughs) honestly i was just so amazed by kincaid's optimism at that point and how exhausted i was and how determined he was to get there before dark there was no way i was getting my headlamp out just because i knew he did not want me to i think we all said that we all the three of us made it to the river by dark but chad didn't Chad, (laughs) Chad, chad got there after dark yeah dude so um no, I mean, that was really impressive. That was really impressive. I was like, these cats are about to break an ankle <laughs> up here because they're so stubborn they won't put a headlamp on. But I was like, Roger that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here to babysit. <laughs> and uh, we rock and rolled, and I'll be dang if you guys didn't hike for a good half hour in the pitch freaking dark. Um, 
and uh we made it down to the river and uh that was that that was that big crossing that we discussed earlier um you know and yeah i think we hit that crossing pretty good that was that final river crossing that uh that was kind of hairy um kincaid was taking care of us had to throw a rope out it was intense no doubt i mean i saw i'm looking at kincaid we stop on the side of the river we get a little food you guys finally put your headlamps all on and then kincaid bails off into this river and it's literally like two steps and he's tits deep (laughs) (laughs) and and we hadn't been more than waist deep all day and it was cold i mean that water was freaking cold man and i'm like what is this cat doing and, and that was before he had explained to me about the foot entrapment and, you know, you can potentially drown in six inches of fast current if your foot gets trapped. Yeah. So he he actually knew what he was doing, and it was my ignorance that I was like, man, this joker is taking a swim, man. <laughs> and um, But, yeah, we all get across and then take us from there. Nathan. Yeah, so that part of the, you know, I, th- <clears throat> I think the trail – crosses downstream kind of diagonally to the left of uh, this makes no sense to the listeners but um to uh, from where we crawl we cross upstream of the trail and so we cross and immediately you're kind of staring at this um this bank or this you know big piece of rock and so you know we basically move downstream far enough to to find a, a slope that we could crawl up knowing that the trail that we need is just above us. Uh, we just got to go uphill and we'll find it. So we do that and, uh, cruise back down, backtrack just for not long, probably not even a quarter of a mile back to the trail intersection. Uh, that, that leads us to the trail that we go out. We got about four miles from there. Hold on, hold on. I don't think you gave that scramble (laughs) up that freaking cliff justice. Tell us, talk about that scramble up the cliff from the river real quick, Luke. You got to remember, free. It, dude. It was free. You did not give no that more, yeah. justice, dude. Yeah, I mean, I think it was more just trying to grab at vines and trees. There, it's pretty much no footing, so it's pretty much all arms at that point. Which I guess maybe was a good thing because our legs were exhausted. You know, our upper body hadn't had a lot of work, so you know, it's it, it's pitch dark and it was uh, just purely loose soul i think you it know was, if, I, if i remember correctly it was uh it was just loose soul and it was just kind of grabbing from tree to tree to tree to pull yourself up the top of the hill maybe 20 feet i don't know 15 20 good. feet maybe yeah. i don't know yeah I, well i looked over at nathan and i was like dude i was like dude where's the trail and he was like well i know if we go up that cliff right there that we'll eventually hit the trail and i was like Roger that, man. Take off. <laughs> and it was sheer. It was like a sheer vertical climb for like 20 straight feet. So, that was pretty legit, it man. It was good. Yeah. You got us there quick. Yeah, it did. Didn't mean to interrupt you, Nathan. No, I just, no. I just so, didn't want to go. We set out on our <laughs> our last four miles. And uh, I happened to be in the front at that point. We were all moving really, really good. And, um, you know, we're all tired. And so, I just thought in my mind, let's set kind of a fast – to, I guess going back that last section I think the the last time I did this kind of it just felt forever to me mentally and so probably in an attempt to not have that happen again I was like well let's I'm just going to kind of lay down a little bit of a tempo and see if we can hold it 
knowing that all of us, you know, would hike slower if I hiked slower. Um, and, and I, we did, I mean, we, we probably at four miles an hour, uh, give or take for that last section. And, you know, you and I got to have some, um, really good conversation. Um, I you know, shared about stuff that's been going on with, in, in my world for a little bit. And, um, it honestly, it went, went by really quick for me. I, I don't know what, yeah, what was going I, on back yeah. there with you guys? Because, yeah, me and Nathan, we really got deep into some great, great conversation. Again, those barriers were broken down, and, man, he was setting a really good pace, and we were just clicking, man. I mean, it was just boom, boom. And before we knew it, we were at the top. You guys were probably, you know, maybe, I don't know, a couple hundred yards behind us. How was that last section for y'all? It was great for, for us, I thought. You know, Luke and I had some great conversation, too. It was really good kind of getting to know him a little bit better throughout that day and just talk about all, the road we live on. You know, I think we live in a good part of the country and we we're kind of able just to talk about that place a little bit that we like to call home. Uh, I really learned a lot about Luke and, like, his business model, you know, how he treats his employees and just really learned a lot from him about that and life in general. You know, Luke's a little older than me, so I feel like he was really able to give me some great advice for the years coming up and i really appreciated that um, i thought it was a good hike i enjoyed it it's kind of in the dark we had our headlamps out, out on but there weren't a lot of trees <laughs> on on that section so it was pretty easy going really yeah i felt like i felt like we were moving pretty good and uh you know i'd kind of been watching kincaid all day and we worked out at the gym together you know a lot over the years and he's always really impressed me but we hadn't had a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations, you know, it's just kind of good job, you know, Hey, it's good to see you today, whatever kind of thing. And so it was good just to spend that hour kind of talking to him, getting to know him a little bit. And, uh, you know, also just, I got to share with him, you know, a little bit of the good qualities that I saw in him as the day progressed, you know, I mean, he just really time and time again, throughout that whole trip, I mean, he was just an anchor. I mean, he just never faltered, never wavered, never failed. I mean, he was full of strengths. He was full of optimism. He was generous. He was giving. He was sharing. And um, it, it was just, it was fun for me to watch him, you know. And I, I admired that at 24 years old, you know, how polished he is, you know. And I just think he has a bright future. And, you know, it was just fun to spend that time with him and kind of get to to talk about where he's at and where he's hoping to go and things of that nature so i enjoyed it went by fast mm -hmm. yeah it did fly by and, mm -hmm. and i think i think you know traveling at night like that hiking at night that's actually one of my favorite times to hike um i'll actually sometimes go out and intentionally start a hike at dark and just hike through the night because your world gets condensed down to this little bubble of light that's right in front of you. And you can't look up at the mountain. You can't look up at the mile of trail that may be visible in front of you. Um, you're just focused, again, like we hit on earlier, where you're going to take that next step. Where is your foot going on that next step? And, you know, I think that's a healthy thing for us as humans. Again, that's a lesson that we can take off, you know, from the trail is – is uh that, that night hiking it just keeps you so present and just keeps you in that little bubble of light that's right in front of you and you know maybe that contributes to those great conversations um 
but it definitely contributes to our ability, I think, to stay present and uh, focus on our next step in life, you know. Mm-hmm. <coughs> what I was going to ask you, I, I did I out and out ask Kincaid as we were hiking. Uh, I mean, what's your perspective as someone who could have done this quicker? You know, you're in great shape. Is, is it difficult for you to shift gears, uh, particularly as the day drags on, to be like, I, I could have been done with this hours ago if it weren't for these yahoos? Well, you know, Nathan, that's a really good question, man. And um, to be honest, well, you know, it's not difficult for me. Um, I actually, I actually enjoy like that pace, like that we were doing, because you don't, you don't understand. Like running is great, but you miss a lot when you're running. Like you, you, you don't see a lot of things uh, that you see when you're at that pace that we were at, and. You know, we weren't, I say we were fast packing. We weren't necessarily hiking. Um, we were we were moving with a purpose mm-hmm. uh, the entire day. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't hike 45 minutes, stop and take a 10 minute break or 20 minute break and eat food. Like it was a constant forward motion pretty much the whole day. I enjoyed it. I feel like, um, you know, for our listeners that are ultra runners, you know, I, I would challenge you guys to go out and do something like this because, again, you slow down, you get to see more, you get to have conversation with your friends, your brothers, your sisters, and it's all about time on your feet, man. It's really, when it comes to endurance events, ultra running, 100-mile races, whatever it is, it's all about time on your feet. So, you know, I'll be straight up with you, man. Like, my calves were sore the next day. Like, I was sore. Um, so, I get a lot out of going out and spending, gosh, whatever we spent. I mean, what was it, 14, it was 15? 14 hours, yeah. 14 and change. Yeah, 14 and some change. I get a lot. I, I feel like I get a lot of fitness out of it. And then all the, the other things, you know, that you don't that you don't get when you're running and you're focused on training and you're focused on heart rate and mileage and all that, you know. So, I really enjoyed it, and it just reminds me of that time that Luke was hiking up the mountain, and he got a cramp in his tricep. (laughs) Total body. (laughs) This cat. Go ahead, Luke. I mean, I I really don't know how it happens. I I get weird cramps in weird places that it shouldn't happen. I don't understand it. I mean, I, I really don't. That was so epic, dude. Sweet. All right. And, hey, we'll, we'll follow through with this thing. We got to the truck. Um, No no, no glory at the truck, man. It was like, it wasn't like, let's all gather around and sing a song and <laughs> give each other hugs. Like, no, it was like, re-jock, man. We did that our first year. We had the intent. We had a cooler some drinks just a little celebratory you know one and we got up there and then it started pouring and we had been out 15 plus hours we just got in the truck and left <laughs> i mean we we've we've done it every time thinking we're going to celebrate there's no celebration at all I and dry, i left a rain jacket up there. dry cotton and go home <laughs> that's right baby. yeah the yep. dangerous part of the trip is the drive home for sure oh <laughs> man so here we go yeah we rejock at the top Jumping, uh, jumping Luke's flatbed at this point, and the next thing I remember, we're going down this 
literally like single track <laughs> fire road, like switchbacking down this massive mountain. This thing's got like trees blown down across it that are just like sawed barely wide enough to get his truck through, like barely wide enough. It's rutted out and like nasty. And Luke takes a turn on one of them switchbacks, and I'm like, hey, bud, you better watch your right side over here. Because I look down, and his tire's literally three inches away from like a sheer 500-foot drop. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that was a, that's a hairy ride, man, for sure, mm-hmm. especially after, you know, all that time on your feet. And um, we end up making it down to the bottom of the mountain, Finally, we, we're going down this road, and Luke keeps saying, this thing turns into pavement somewhere. <laughs> he's like, he's like, this road turns into pavement, and then it turns back into gravel. And then he's like, oh, this is the pavement section right here. And, and I'm like, hold on a minute. Like, we're still riding on gravel. <laughs> but he was. It, it was smooth gravel. <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah, this is this paved section. I was like, <clears throat> I didn't want to be rude and say, like, <laughs> No, man, we're still on gravel here. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, at that point, I, I think Luke was a little bit tired at that, <laughs> at that point. So. Yeah, I, I couldn't have driven us. I was intermittently asleep slash hallucinating maybe by the time we got home. I think I was too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just tried to keep moving. Yeah, you know? yeah. So a common theme here, a common theme throughout this entire story, Kincaid, um, basically he he knows he knows his way around up there, and uh, Luke's like, "Hey man," or, or no, Kincaid I think was like, "Hey, do you need directions?" And Luke was like, "Well, I think I know where I am, but I'm not gonna be mad at you if you tell me where to turn." <laughs> <laughs> so Kincaid basically guides us out of there and. Um, Finally make it to civilization, and we get to this town. What was it, Chatsworth? Chatsworth. Yeah, we get to Chatsworth, and Chatsworth is composed of a Bojangles, a Taco Bell, and a Wendy's, and we're all starving to death. So we pull in uh, Wendy's and all order these massive, greasy, Baconator, whatever, hamburgers, Kincaid gets a dang frosty. <laughs> he doesn't even get any food. He just gets a frosty because he's been eating his avocados all day. <laughs> and uh, we pull in the drive through like, to the window, and I'm like, we're all, like, trying to get our money out. And Luke's like, I don't want your money. <laughs> and we're like, oh, no, man, hold on. We got some cash. He's like, I don't want your money. He's like, what did you say, Luke? I guess that you'll just keep me awake and get me home or right. something yeah. like that. Like, yeah. and, you, and you can keep your money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you guys will keep me awake and get me home alive, you can keep your money. <laughs> so the whole drive home, I think we're just, uh, we're trying to spark up conversation <laughs> about anything that we can think of to talk about in order to keep each other awake. Um, you guys got anything on the drive? I think Chad caught a stop sign pretty good. <laughs> I, I, th- I think Luke would have would have stopped eventually, but well, like, Chad was looking out for us from the back seat for sure. He saw the stop sign, <laughs> but the stop sign was not registering with him. <laughs> yeah, 
seemed like a suggestion at the time. Yeah. 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 No, I I really like, I I was not doing any good keeping anyone awake. I, I, I don't have to drive. I'll give it a old college try to keep someone awake, but eventually sleep will win. I was in and out of sleep the whole way home. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, quite a ride. We had about, it was about a two-hour drive from the car back to Luke's driveway where we had all met at about 4 a.m. that morning. And the uh, time we pull up in Luke's driveway, it's um, it's probably after midnight. And, um, again, we all get out of the truck, and, you know, Luke looks over at us, and he's like, hey, guys, please send me a text when you get home safe. <laughs> I'm like, what in the world, dude? We just crossed some of the most rugged country in North Georgia and, uh, like, crossed 17 rivers and, like, all this. And now Luke wants to be worried about us. But he's like, man, I just worry about stuff. So uh, I know when I got back to the house, I sent Luke a text. And I think Nathan did, too. And Kincaid just rode his bike home. Right. Right. I just lived down the road. It wasn't too far of a, a bike ride. Yeah. So, and then, and Luke actually responded. Yeah. To our I, text. I was still awake. I, I was waiting. I was waiting on your text messages. Yep. So what guys, so after a day like that, and Jeff, you can chime in on this too. I mean, what's, uh, when you guys, you get, you get back in your house, you get a shower, you take a wrap off. Um, not necessarily that night, but maybe the next day. Like, what's going through your head? How how are you how are you processing this? Um, what is it What does it do to you? What does it do for you? Um, how do you How do you process? Because not everybody, when, when we when, not everybody that goes on a mission like this gets to sit down and and have an after actions report like we're doing here today. So, um, I think I think something for me. I'll start it off. And then I want to hear what all you guys say. But for me, when you go out on a mission like this, man, um, you have to take into consideration what's going to happen when it's over. Because you're on this high. And Nathan, I, 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 on, a, on a later podcast, I want to talk to you about the AT. And Nathan's through hike the AT. But you're on this high. <clears throat> and then once mission complete, you're back at home. And the next morning, you got to wake up and go to your your everyday job, um, you have to be aware that there can potentially be some some depression or, or some, you know, some, you know, just down feelings that you're going to encounter because you've been surrounded by your people and you've been out, you know, on this magnificent journey and you've accomplished this great thing. And I get it a lot with with ultra running, you know, with missions that we do, the next day is usually hard for me um, because I'm processing it and I'm coming down off of this, you know, really just euphoric, happy feeling, disconnected from technology, disconnected from any type of, of responsibility. And um, I'll have a moment where I'll just be poopy pants, dude. And I'm just like, but but I don't fight it. I I recognize it, <clears throat> I expect it, and um and I bask in it, and uh, yeah. So that's usually what happens to me mm. the day after a mission like this, and um, yeah, this chalk talk, this AAR, 
really helps me hash it out and like get it all out of my system. It's, it's an amazing thing. So round table. I, uh, I see the day after I do something like this, it's a little different with a go ruck that we've done. Cause after one of those, I'm like, I'm done with that for a year. Mm. But it's, there's something about the Cahutta that the day after I, and Nathan and I have told each other and we see each other, We'll do it on a Saturday. We'll see each other on a Monday. And I'll go, you ready to go back? He goes, yep. I mean, it's immediate we're ready to go back. I mean, I and I had that even, you know, even just doing half the trip this year, Sunday, even though I was, and we all were hurting calves, everything, um, I was ready to go back because it is so life-giving, that trip. Not only the Cahutas because it's just a magical place for me, um, but the day with guys and being you know getting to know each other suffering a little bit together always brings everybody closer and i just and i think i think guys crave that people that don't get it i feel bad for um so that day after i'm like ready to go now i couldn't i can't can't walk down to my mailbox but you know the yearn is there yeah and I, i think i'm really appreciative that i get the chance to because i know um, I don't get to do it near as often as I want to just in my stage of life and w- what I'm doing, having two teenage kids and on all that. I mean, it's, life is busy. And so when I get out there, it really is just, I'm just like, oh, give it to me, give it to me, you know. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the way I feel the day after. That's good. I mean, I kind of can reiterate what Jeff and Chad were saying, but I'm, I mean, usually before the event's over, I'm, trying to think of something else to do for an excuse <laughs> to get back in the woods. And um, this was like, I mean, I don't know. It was so much fun. I just want to get back and do it again, I would say. So I was trying to talk people into doing this uh, three fish and three different drainages in the Cahutas, a little, another little loop where you try to catch some fish in all the different watersheds. But uh, so I was trying to do that by before that we were even back to the truck, I think. But I mean, I was definitely a little moving a little slower that next day and, <laughs> I was really thankful for getting to know, you know, each person out there a little bit better. And I told my parents that they have a really cool neighbor, you know, getting to know Luke <laughs> a little bit better. I was like, y'all got a cool neighbor. So it was just a real good day. You know, we got a, I told my girlfriend about it and, you know, encourage people to get out and try something similar, you know, get out and push themselves, find some friends and have a good day out in the woods. Yeah. I think I, th- there's a lot that comes out of it for me. Uh, if I were to try to pick just a few, it, it, it would be, you know, on the one hand, there's that, that sense that you mentioned. Um, and I think again, as much as I can use terminology that your listeners may be familiar with, I think you say it doesn't matter, uh, in a different context, but there's that same sense when you go back off the trail and you're back home, you know, the people that you encounter as you move through that day, it, it doesn't really matter. It didn't matter to my six-year-old when he came tugging on me the next morning to wake up. It didn't matter to him if I was tired or what I had done. Uh, you know, if you're if you're going to work or it. So, bearing in mind, you know, I had this <clears throat> amazing life-giving experience, and I'm going to encounter a whole bunch of people the next day that it doesn't really matter to them that I did. But is there a way 
that I can make it matter in terms of it gave life to me. So then am I in a better spot to give life to them as I've got three small kids. And so I think, you know, if I'm taking uh, time away from them and I'm setting aside a time, time that is really important for me to, um, you know, to kind of be who I am, then it ought to inform my relationship as a father to them and it ought to inform how I am as a husband to my wife. So I need to, to give the, the life that it gives me, I need to somehow give it back um, and, and take lessons that come through community or through endurance and you know, be more patient with them or, or you know, kind of transfer uh, what I endured on the trail to enduring with people around me and, and giving life. Um, and then I think there's a piece of it as a parent that I, I want my kids to think that's normal. Like you go and you do these big things and hard things. I want them to see scratched up legs and say, Oh, was that from your hike? And say, yeah. And, and it was fine. You know, it's, this is part of it and it's worth it. And so I want that to be normal for them as a parent so that as they grow up, um, they, they value these things and do these things and see it not as a, you know, some big crazy thing that you shouldn't do, but this is absolutely what we do because it's important. So I think those are a few things anyway that I, I kind of settle on at the end of the day. Yeah, I think for me, uh, I think probably my biggest struggle outside of soreness was just kind of the reality of reconnecting to technology and the outside world. I mean, it's pretty uh, peaceful out there. You know, it's just some guys in the woods, you know, and so, so that, that part I think was a little bit of a struggle, but, uh, I really enjoyed, you know, kind of throughout that day having moments of self-reflection and just reflection and just remembering conversations and, you know, what people did or what people said or the moments that we shared together, you know, and kind of cherishing those and, and really even just being able to share some of those with my wife, you know, like you're talking about kind of that life that that gave you and then bringing that back, you know, and, you know, as exhausted as I was, as tired as I was, as sore as I was, you know, being able to share some of those stories and, you know, watch her laugh about it or, you know, whatever. I mean, that's, it's, it's pretty fun. You know, you, you kind of put yourself through that and it, you suffer a lot for a long time, but then when you get on the backside of it, you, you almost immediately look at it and you're like, well, it wasn't that bad, you know? And I, I'll kind of echo what Jeff said, you know, I've done a couple of those go rucks and I say never again, you know? And, uh, but with this, I mean, it really wasn't that way. I mean, I don't, I don't even know that I said it while we were there, you know, maybe just hopefully next time I'll be a little better prepared, you know, but not never again. You know, that was a, it's a really, really special Saturday for me. It was, it was a lot, a lot of fun and I felt like a lot of growth. Um, so it's pretty beautiful really. Yeah. So all very, very powerful takeaways guys and processing it on not, not only the, the journey, but processing it on the back end. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, that is what a long day in the Cahutta Wilderness looks like. And I want to leave you guys with one thing. <coughs> you, you guys have maybe heard me talk about or seen me posting <coughs> recently 
about we control the fear. So fear is a real thing. Like going, not only going out on these missions, um, but obviously with what's happening in our society today. So, and I want to get your comments. You, you sent me a text the other day. <clears throat> so we control the fear. I view, I view fear as this tangible thing. It's almost like a bubble. You can create it. You can feed it. You can get trapped in it. Or you can crush it beneath your feet. That's what I mean when I say we control the fear. It's a tangible thing. But we're in control. It's our decision. And... Do you remember the text you sent me? Yeah. yeah. I just want you to, to, to hit on your, uh, because I think that was a, a powerful addition to my standpoint on that statement. Yeah, it was, it was funny because you, um, you posted that later in the day, or I saw it, I'm not sure when you posted it. And, and for some reason, that morning, um, my six-year-old, as I was fixing coffee, just you know, out of the blue, said, um, Daddy, are you afraid of anything? I, you know, now six year old doesn't understand. He can't understand the abstract things that I am afraid of. I, I don't, I'm afraid of failure and mediocrity and all these things. So I kind of dodged the question with him. Um, but it, but it made me think. And for a long time, the f- first part of Joshua has been uh, just a passage that I come back to and time and time again. And three times in the passage, um, w- Joshua is implored to be strong and courageous. There's that command. And if you read the passage, um, you know, it says that. And if you think through it, there wouldn't be the command to be strong and courageous if there weren't something to fear. I think often we can, we can take the idea of fear and, and that we shouldn't be afraid. And we take the wrong approach and we try to minimize the thing that there is to fear. When in reality, there is a lot to fear. I mean, that's the world we live in. Uh, and, and even the things that we don't see there there are things to fear uh and so the call isn't you know it's not a matter of is there something we should fear or not there is we're just called to a different response than fear and then later in that passage it says uh, that the reason that we can respond by being bold and courageous is because of the presence of the lord and he says in that passage i'll never leave you or forsake you so at, at least coming from it uh or coming at it from a from the mindset of a believer you know, I ought to be choosing or working to choose being strong and courageous because of the strength the Lord gives me um, as opposed to succumbing to fear. And I think that's one of those things that it reads really well. And in the moment when you're trying to hammer that out, that's difficult, um, but but essential. Totally. I love it, brother. And it, it, it goes back to the fact, man, the fear is a real thing. Just you got to choose what you want to do with it. Yeah. And anybody else want to comment on that? I mean, I think it's a it's a it's a powerful topic right now. So, any thoughts on that, guys? All right, easy day. Last thing I want to do, guys, if you are on social media, um, if you have any plans coming up, if you have a website, if you have any way for our listeners to learn more about you follow you, um, you know, reach out to you, 
thank you, whatever it may be. Will you guys put that out to the listeners? Starting with uh, Jeff. Um, I am not on social media. <laughs> no worries, brother. There's, you can pass. Uh, yeah, I've, I don't have a thing against it. I just am not on it. So I'll go back in the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am on Facebook and I'm on Instagram, and you're more than welcome to reach out to me if you want to, but certainly don't feel obligated to. Um, it's just my name, so Kincaid Worrell. <laughs> If you're inclined. Hey, spell that out real quick, man. K-I-N-C-A-I-D-W-U-R-L. Two words. Sick paddling videos. Yeah, yeah. If you guys want to see some crazy, intense uh, kayaking videos, follow Kincaid on Instagram. He puts out some pretty cool content. And nonchalant all at the same time. Yep. Hey, hey, you want to give a shout out to your uh, to the new team, man? Oh, sure. Yeah, shout out to Scoop Gang. Yeah. Hey, we're taking down Team Jib in the Suck Creek race coming up, so watch that out, um, Team Jib. If you're listening, get ready for the the smoke. <laughs> uh, probably the the best place um, is to find higher ground. This organization I work with uh, on Instagram and Facebook that'll that'll be the most. Uh, content that's consistent thematically with what we've talked about. My personal stuff is just like about coffee and my kids. It's not not necessarily that entertaining. Do you know what the handle is for Higher Ground? Nathan? It's a uh, Higher Ground with no vowels on Instagram, and I believe the same. Uh, I, I don't search it on Facebook; it'll come up. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, I, unfortunately, I'm I'm not on any social medias either, so. You guys can go to Nathan's Higher Ground and leave me a message. He'll, he'll get it to me. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, uh, outstanding conversation. Obviously, thank you all for your time. Um, and uh, I think the listeners are really going to love the stories. This is the 3 of 7 podcast. Enough said.